0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. save. We're back as the mini-double game week that was 25 comes to an end as United and Brighton play out the final game. It's 1-0 to United right now. I'm anticipating the Man United clean sheet going anytime in the next 10 minutes. And it's been a pretty poor couple of weeks, to be honest for me. Unfortunately, as well, last week, apologies for no pod. So I've got some sad news, um, which meant FPL didn't matter, I'm afraid. Uh, Thank you for everybody who sent me uh, kind words. And uh, that was really appreciated uh, for everybody who did reach out. It's very, very kind of you. Anyway, uh, back now to talk about the upcoming double. Uh, We are Who Got The Assist? I'm Tom. Find me on Twitter at WTA underscore FPL. My co-host for two more podcasts, I think it is, is Anthony at FPL Stag. And we're joined today by El Labrador everyone's best friend it's london meetup doyen fpl Nima. welcome to the pod sir what's up bro thanks for the invite guys um i'm glad i can
0: catch you as well anthony it's a nice time to come on and there's a match finishing in 10 minutes as you say so let's see our live ranks as the episode goes on
2: yeah as we were saying before we hit the record i don't think we want to see those live ranks to be perfectly honest with you Nima. but anyway it's it's great to have you on and indeed yeah the the last pod where there's normal service with me on here. So yeah, it's great to have you on. This pod, I know we're usually a very macro strategic pod, but you know what? The way things are going with FPL, we have double game weeks and indeed blank game weeks coming up. So we've got to be a bit more tactical from an FPL perspective now. Um, So we're going to be discussing how best to tackle the upcoming double in 26. And we'll also have a good meaty correspondence section, listener questions, and we'll have the usual updates too. The first of which will be the game week reviews. Cool.
1: All right. Well, the game week is still ongoing. So Nima, can you talk us through what you did, how it's gone for you? And I guess in terms of the season, I know you were flying at the start. Have you sustained that?
0: Sadly not. So this is the best I've ever done in like nine years at this stage. But you are right. By game week four, I remember I came on the spaces. You were like, wow, we've got you. Let's get some questions. It was like when you have the Midas touch when you're doing well. Everyone wants to know what you're doing. And back then I was 1,000 while four weeks in. Um, it's been a long drop since then, but... um ronaldo tonight and that clean sheet if it stays so famous last words that are going to be captured i would actually be about 11 and a half k now so this would be a big climb back from 33k this weekly i
1: i'm happy i believe in my top 10k finish and we'll see how it goes i believe in your top 10k finish that's for sure However, where I'm concerned, no nowhere, nowhere near the top 10k. Um, so I did wildcard a couple of weeks ago, and it's been really bad. <laughs> Basically, I managed to drop last week about 50k due to Kane blanking compared to everybody captaining Jota the Slotter. And this double game week again has been pretty poor. I'm about 300k now, um, and this season pretty much has... I don't, I don't know really what it is. I mean, long-term listeners will know, but in January, I just seem to lose my way a bit. I don't know whether it's just because work's really busy or whether it's just because bad stuff tends to happen to me in January. Um, but the, the last few weeks have been awful. Like, I've had the Green Arrow for a while and a few really brutal 50 50 stuff like Antonio Capson over Bowen, not owning Bruno for its explosion. Uh, they've all kind of taken it beyond me uh, for the moment, really. I mean, I, I suspect I'll wind up at 100 100- 150k 100k something like that hopefully there's 12 game weeks to go but there's so many points lost that um i think it's probably going to be another season in the doldrums unfortunately i don't think it's entirely down to me being a poor manager <laughs> i think i have been a bit unlucky sometimes uh, but nonetheless the outcome is the outcome and since my wild card i've only had eight returns um six of them have come from widely owned players like it's bowen trent cancello and only two of them two Robertson clean sheets have been differentials so that means I've had 14 blanks since my wild cards I know it's been a pretty poor couple of weeks for many people but hey for me in particular it's, it's not been good um so a 300k um at the moment which is not very good to the ring at the start of January I was about 100 um and ready to push on instead I've gone in the other in the other direction which is incredibly annoying Anthony how close to me are you now
2: I haven't actually got that particular figure ready to go. It's it's not going to be a huge distance. I'd say it's something akin to two dozen points, maybe something like that, which is, again, still an awful lot less than the 120 something that it was at some point there around the turn of the year. However, the last two weeks have also, for me, been quite poor, for similar reasons to you as well, Tom. Captaincy blank in game week 24. I also went with Kane, having taken hits and all sorts of things, to get him in. Um, That obviously didn't work out. I did have Jota in my side, but without captaining him, I was punished pretty severely. And indeed, this game week, I moved on Kane and didn't fall into the double game week trap as I saw it by bringing Ronaldo into my side again, having sold him already. I was just trying to chase points in a serious way, but I didn't really think that United would have a good double game week. So having already had Fernandez, who I captained in my side, I decided to go with Wout Weghorst instead up top two points there. Um, That's a big loss versus the old Cristiano uh, thing. I've around 50 points right now. You know, if Bruno was to go and score, I think that would be enough for me to get a green arrow. The safety score for me right now is 55. I'm on 50. So we are kind of in the zone where just one thing going my way might turn the arrow green, but the overall story remains a bit like yourself that... I'm very much stuck in the doldrums. And like you, I also don't have the wild card to kind of bail myself out of trouble anymore, which means that these upcoming doubles and blanks could be very painful indeed. It might mean that I take the zag necessary to actually find some green arrows uh, in the midst of a maelstrom of pain for everyone else. Yeah, I mean we'll come on to that
1: in a bit as well. So I think there are a couple of zag opportunities. Um starting with double game week 26, right? Uh, let's move on to the objectives and see how we're going with all of this. Anthony, you've kind of got your head in your hands, but can you <laughs> rescue your face and tell me a bit about the yeah. uh, about your objectives?
2: Yeah, they're going badly, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> in, in summary, they're not going well. My objective is, look, we're talking about captaining with the herd or with the algorithms, the herd and the algorithms, they're all wrong. Um, So I'm also being punished uh, with those at the moment. So whilst I am maintaining that particular objective, um, mostly at least, it's not exactly going well transfers don't be afraid to transfer out elite players if they've dropped off yeah i did that i've had ronaldo out kane out in the last two weeks i'll i'll sell anyone and they'll probably score so i'm certainly not i'm certainly keeping to that objective i guess and then in terms of the other uh, the objectives as we kind of said a few weeks ago they are they were a nice experiment i liked the idea of them in theory but in practice it, they've kind of held me back and now i'm rebelling against them and probably um spiting myself doing so as well yeah, I guess the season does twist and turn a lot. So it's been an
1: interesting thing to look at. I'll probably keep going throughout the year. So my three were captaincy-wise, do what Mikel's caps algorithm tells me to do. I've done that last couple of weeks. Captain Kane last week, uh, that was grand. And I captained Bruno this week, which is looking also very grand. Um, so it, it's not been the best. Um, and I think I'm increasingly thinking back to my prior optimism about it when we first did our kind of half-year review. I and mean, Anthony points out, actually hasn't the captaincy just been Captain Salah? And I was a bit kind of like, hmm. No, no, I'm sure it's just the algorithm that would have stopped me from doing stupid things. But no, no, I think he's probably right. And I think that um maybe it hasn't worked out as well as I'd like it to. Uh transfers and 50, 50, 50 tries to take a hit. Well, this week I didn't take a hit. Um, I rolled it because so I just wild carded, but that sort of thing hasn't worked out too well this year. Uh, the the key example is Kai uh, Havertz uh, for me. Um, and uh, taking a chance on four and buying in the bandwagon in players, well, it, it kind of has happened and kind of hasn't. Like, I think I've been co-opting that... Um, objective a lot to just kind of mean what i want it to mean which is probably a bit of a lesson in making ropey objectives which are good in the corporate sense always make ropey objectives in the corporate sense because you can be flexible and be like oh actually it meant this didn't mean that and um, but the reality is that things like i don't know betting against teams uh, so going aren't know with with uh, a player playing against a certain team to say oh yeah but they've got rubbish stats that's, that's really worked well for me this year. I have numerous examples of just how it seems to have fallen flat on its face uh, to, I don't know, captain the likes of someone like Harry Kane um, against Southampton or captaining Dennis. Something, just things like that just haven't worked out for me, basically. And I think the idea of form is a very nebulous one. It did mean what I wanted it to mean, uh, but more and more I just feel like that was a terrible gesture to set myself and it's not really helped me in any way. Anyway, uh, Nima, what are your... Objectives? Did you have any for this season? Do you have any kind of raison d'etre, you know, like Matthew Jones style? Make sure you cover off the weakest link, or, you know, like like Steve was saying last week, just try to make sure that you're doing this, that, or the other. What do you do? Yeah, so I think
0: today I found out I'm a very low risk type of FPL player. So I put my uh, team ID into that fplreview.com and my, my risk factor was like almost zero. Like it just doesn't show up on the pie. So I think. I don't take as much risk and I'm very patient. And the thing I told myself I want to do is be a bit more aggressive sometimes. So I hold on to cheap assets for a long time through all their blanks. Like Tony this season is a good example. I held him from game week one. He dropped all the way in price, a few 0.2 or 0.3 million. I still had him when he'd risen for the double game weeks. I just hold on to players. Like Antonio, I had him till this week actually. But thankfully I sold him for Ronaldo captain, which so far it looks to be turning around my season after like treading water for 10 weeks. Um, but I'd say generally I'm very patient. So I try to not take many hits. Um, I think last season when I checked, I'd taken about minus 48 in hits or so, maybe just below that. So it's so not too crazy. I think that's 12 hits in a year. Like most of them around double game weeks or early on to catch price. Just one thing I want to change in my game is not always use price as the predictor of points. So many times in double game weeks, I spent more on a player And I always bought the premium option in that team. And every time, the cheaper one that would have been better for my team structure beyond the double game week outscores them. And I end up getting like a red arrow. So that just hurts. Like I had Zaha instead of Easy. I had, I think, a Ward instead of Mitchell. You know, it was the Cancelo over Stones in his double. I think there was the Burnley double as well. There was Loughton obviously got the goal after his second shot on target in nine years. So it just, it it really hurts me. And I think I've, I've told myself, just stop overspending like and i think that will show whether i've turned a new leaf in terms of changing my play style but i'm yeah i'm very risk averse i always spend more i pretty much only kept in premiums um th- that's the main thing i try to do
1: yeah no it's definitely I, I think the idea of value being more important than price is definitely something which comes into play as the season progresses i think that price is only relevant the first kind of 10 game weeks, perhaps, and after that, it stops being a heuristic of how valuable the player is, how what a player is worth. I mean something that I've looked at a lot in the past and I should probably look at it again fairly soon. I think last, last year I didn't have the time to do the report, but I used to do a very long one alongside talisman theory about all of this. A bit of a whoosh moment for most people in the community, but still something which is definitely interesting uh, to look into in terms of how price value, the two things interact and how value is actually a lot more important. And Analyst FC, you mentioned them earlier, but they're all about value um, rather than price. Let's move on to the Min League. We haven't done an update for a while, so I think we probably should do one quickly, Anthony. But we've got a new leader, haven't we, this week?
2: Yeah, to be honest, since we last did an update, I feel like quite a lot of the names have changed. Quite yeah. <laughs> around it's the top 10. New yeah, it's like funnily enough, Tom. Yeah, there's been a massive change. <laughs> so yeah, actually, a yeah, friend of the pod, James Corralt is right on the edge of getting into the top 10, having been in there earlier. He's up from thirty seven to 13th. So a shout out to James and he's following... Cy Rutherford, uh, another friend of the pod, is quite close behind him as well. But both of them are outside the top 10. For 10, up from 18th, Forever QPR. And that's Pontus Gunlik, who had 77 points. In 9th, up from 12th, is Pedrinko, um, which is managed by Anas Marti. So 67 points there for Anas. Uh, In 8th, up from 13th, is Toko FC by Ville Anonen. And they got 69 points welcome um, Lengrotz Artist Derna um, is uh, down to 7th from 4th he got 54 with a minus 4 as well uh, Money Maze by Tor Evan Pedersen is down from 3rd to 6th after 51 points a bit disappointing there kind of scores a bit like my own for him Uh Brett Taylor's team I love Lamptey Got sixty-two points this week. Um, he is up to fourth from sixth, and no, he actually didn't own Lampy, which is a bit of a disaster for him um, this particular game week. Anyway, he missed out in a few points there. Then uh, up in fourth from fifth is Santiago Muniets Sam. The, the team, Santiago Muñez, and that's managed by Sam McAfee. Uh, he got 56 points. Then in third, up from eighth, is Lucky Profit. That's Troy Hope's team. He got 78 points, so a bit of a corker for him. That's the best of the top three scores this week. In second, down from our first, is the XL11, Hakon manger Ness's team. He got 53 points. And then in first, rising to the top, is James S.'s Larry of Brest. He got 68 points with a minus four this week. Captain Fernandez. But uh, a bit, to be honest, a bit like James Q that we were talking about, he did really go for this double game week. So he has um, a triplet of United players with uh, Ronaldo de Gea and Bruno Fernandes, who indeed he captained. As I said, he has Cucurella and Trossard from Brighton. So one of those working out a lot better than the other. And then it's just a few of the staples, really, um, of the template. So Trent Alexander-Arnold, Foden, Jada, Bowen, um, some of them better than others. And because Cantelo didn't play, he is getting a couple of points off the bench as well so a decent game week for him there and some decent scores all around they're all flying
1: Nice. Well, I suppose we'll come back to that in two weeks and see how it goes. Um, And the final thing is the market forces. We'll do it very quickly. I don't think it will change too much off the back of this result just because of what's going on in terms of double game week. Uh, But Salah uh, has been brought back in by almost 400,000 managers and has done well. quite an impressive uh, rise. He's risen naught percent in the space of two weeks behind him it's Saka at the moment Bakayo Saka my boy 110,000 transfers in for him in third it's Jared Bowen who the hell doesn't own Jared Bowen at this point do you even FPL Uh, 80,000 transfers in for him he's joined actually on that number just below uh, Bowen uh, by um, Armando Broja Uh, he's got also 79 Thousand transfers in and Coutinho uh, is in fifth so 76,000 transfers in on the other side of it Salah is being bought by Fernandez. sales 150,000 sales for him that probably something that I'd be doing on the other side of it to KDB another placeholder for Salah he's been sold off now 141,000 sales for him Ronaldo has been sold by first one thousand. again probably a bit of a placeholder a piggy bank that's now being smashed to bring the Egyptian king in Elsewhere, Conor Gallagher, people probably realised, oh, hang on, he can't play Chelsea. So he's been sold by 127,000 managers. And Bernardo Silva, remember him? Remember when he was cool? Um, yeah, well, after a cacophony of blanks, he's now been sold by 91,000 managers. People are all tooling up towards double game reach, which is what we're going to talk about after this break. Speaking in just a second. Who
3: got the assist? Who got the assist?
1: So we're back, and within that break, <laughs> Probably, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed we didn't capture it and Bruno Fernandes scored in the last minute the 97th minute of the Man United game did. so it's changed the whole complexion of this podcast and we're now very happy whereas Nima is now drinking very heavily from his wine um, I'm not very happy about that it's a green arrow though I
0: can't be too upset um, I don't want to wish bad game weeks on my fellow Bruno captain of France but we are all rivals at the end of the day and I really wanted those points
1: yeah <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. I'm pretty. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm a lot happier now than I was ten minutes ago. But <laughs> God, ridiculous, yeah. Ridiculous. In, in
2: in the mini league, the uh, update of which we can just basically tear up. Um, Hakon Mangrenes is uh, back on top. He's first again. Uh, screw everything that we said. Um, things have totally changed. Troy Hope, who was in third the last time I discussed this 10 minutes ago, is now sixth. He's still up from eighth, so fair play to him. And whoever it was, the Captain Sancho that was in the top 10, it was Puntus Gunlick, who was 10th. He's now 18th. So goodbye, Puntus. You are um, relegated to irrelevance. And James Carroll is even closer after 103 on his free hit. He is absolutely flying it. And I, I, I now have a green arrow too. So yeah. huge news. Huge.
1: So do I. Getting a nosebleed at 250k. Right, let's move on to the main topic area of the podcast, which is what's the best approach to double game week 26 timestamp. It's the evening of Tuesday, the 15th of February, just before Mo Salah's injury tomorrow night for you all listening against Inter Milan. What's the best approach to Double Game 26? Spoiler, obviously there isn't one. <laughs> but we're here to discuss a few of the key ideas percolating through the FPL world. And I guess speaking around how we're looking at it, because it is hard to kind of give general advice here. I think at the start of the season, up until kind of the teens, you're able to kind of give generic advice, which most people are able to kind of use um towards their own teams but at this point you've started to kind of have paths diverge so much that we're able to kind of give you some advice but a lot of the time you have to kind of look at it through the lens of your own team and try to apply what's relevant and i guess just enjoy what isn't relevant to you and maybe listen to intel about what your rivals may be doing who knows um but anyway the key thing i think in terms of this game week is chip use there's All kinds, basically, on the horizon for people. Triple captain, probably a lot of people looking at Salah and thinking, yeah, that's an easy triple captain. I think you'd be blind to not see that. Bench boost, I think some people are looking at it and thinking, oh, this could be a good time to do it, just because later on in the season, there's rotation galore. We don't know what's going on then. Whereas right now, we kind of do have an idea of what the team's going to look like. Some people may be even looking at a free hit. And some people, some people may even think of doing nothing but I very much doubt that. So um, I think a good start point here is a question from the FPL Banger boys um, at FPL underscore Banger. Um, they say they've seen some chat about bench boosting about minus using minus 12s or so uh, being thrown out. Uh, Nima, you mentioned that earlier on uh, they're doing, people doing that in order to build a viable bench boost for this game week. I'm fairly sure. And, the banger the banger guys say it feels like forcing a bench boost when there's a clear triple captain i saw fpl harry who will be on this podcast in two two three game weeks time saying well this is a really obvious triple captain why would you do that and um, but bangers say you know there's an instance in recent memory maybe game week 19 last season where taking big hits rewards the opportunists is this true so i mean I think it's um definitely an interesting one. There's definitely a bit of a crossroads for quite a few people. I'm a good example of that. So I'm I'm open to the idea of bench boosting. I wildcarded a couple of weeks ago and I set myself up with a few players who have good fixtures on the on the game week. Um they're single game weekers, but there might be enough to bench boost with. So It's probably going to be Foster and Goal with a double. Uh, Dean Buendia uh, against Watford and Cancelo uh, against Spurs. And it's super close for me, actually, in terms of what the algorithms predict. So I use two, uh, Mikel, uh, the transfer algorithm, and FPL review. Both of them basically say that my bench will get equal to what Salah will get if Salah plays both games, of course. And I think the question that most people are looking at Annoyingly, I really hate hate talking about this because it's pure speculation, but the, the key question to all of this is, will Salah play both games? What's his x mens uh, I guess it's worth looking into to some extent. So there's a three-day gap between Inter Milan and Norwich, a four-day gap between uh, Liverpool uh, between that and Leeds, and a four-day gap again between uh, that and Chelsea uh, for the EFL Cup final. I'd look over the last couple of years. And uh, it's worth noting that Salah last year, he did appear 38 times. He was benched on the 19th of April versus Leeds for game week 32, following a congested period, which included the Champions League. Of course, violence did come on, did do nothing. And in 2019-20, he was benched for a couple of games. Game week 13 versus Palace, game week 15 versus Everton, with a hive of games around those. The question is, I suppose, is now different? There's a school of logic which says on paper, is there a better week to bench boost than this week? Probably. Is there a better week on papers, triple captain this week? Probably not. But is it feasible to suggest that with Luis Diaz no involved and Salah having played three times 120 minutes at AFCON, could he be given a bit of a rest because Liverpool got that strength and depth and Salah's played a lot of games? And I guess for me, it comes down to how much I believe Salah will be benched for one of the games and how much I believe my bench is going to match Salah's 120 points. Really tricky, isn't it? Um, first, where I am, Chip Use. Where are you on this, Nima? Are you kind of straight up, triple caps in Salah, no regrets?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think a bench boost has crossed my mind. Um, I- I'm not well set up for it. I have five double game weekers. I'm looking to take a minus four to get to seven of them. If I'm feeling a little bit frisky, maybe I'll make it a minus eight and have eight double game weakers. But that doesn't get me anywhere near kind of uh, bench boost territory, I don't think, personally. Um, with your team it's a bit more difficult I I did see it earlier and I know one will show our bus teams later but at first I did think it looks good but because of the single game weekers it kind of makes me worry because this happened to me last year where I bench boosted three Leeds players and they got kind of two points each and it's one of those worries Yeah, yeah, like like, you know Newcastle, Everton as well last week, um, Newcastle win 1-0, not Everton sorry, New Villa even and they just win 1-0 and then it's like you've bench boosted single game weekers with all your, all your eggs in one basket it just worries me too much. Um, if you had 10, 11 double game weakers, I don't know if you do after the Martinelli red, then maybe yeah. it'd be more tempting. But with single game weekers, um, I personally think that like I'd be aiming to get 16 on a bench boost minimum. And I guess it is very team specific to say I have my wild card and I'll probably wild card around 35. So it just feels like it's going to be more feasible for me with my team structure to get more doublers then and bench boost then. But I do I do not like the bench boost and it does ruin my team most seasons for very little game.
1: And I'm where most people point in this situation, because I did wildcard early, it kind of makes sense to b- get rid of the bench boost earlier and um, kind of linking to what you said, just because I can then focus on the 11 throughout the course of the year. But I still come back to the idea. Is there going to be a better bench boost than this? Probably. Is there going to be a better triple captain than this? Probably
2: not. I have very seldom had any success with the triple captaincy, and I have zagged on it multiple times since the chip was introduced. So take everything I say with a pinch of salt from here on in. I'm quite concerned about Salah's game time, for sure. Um, you've laid out the timeline there, three and four games between, you know, two games which are much more important than Norwich and Leeds in the league. The, the fact That's a fact between the Champions League game with Inter and, indeed, uh, a cup final as well. So looking at that, I'm actually quite tempted to triple captain Trent Alexander-Arnold instead, yes. <laughs> actually.
0: <laughs> well, I think it was that's coming. the question. I think for me, that's the question as well, Anthony. So yeah, I don't think bench boost is where I would go, even in Tom's shoes at this stage. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he'd almost be doing it because he's wedded to the idea he wildcarded, so he should get it out the way, but he mm-hmm. can probably get to a good bench boost team later. I think if you're scared about Salah's minutes, Trent, Robbo, Jota with their equal warnings respectively. um, I think Liverpool, those matches on paper, as you say, I don't think we've ever had a team of Liverpool's calibre have two fixtures of this level in any yes. double game week. So it's kind of like, I just, I, I don't know, I feel like I have to go for one of those boys, even if it's not Salah and you do want to zag.
2: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. And I just feel like when fatigue bites a big team, they'll tend to grind out a result. And grinding you know, grinding out results tends to mean attempting to keep clean sheets. And I just feel that that gives defenders an advantage. Trent doesn't really have a clear replacement to come on to the right, whereas Rabo has the shimic problem. And then Jota. Look, Jota is Jota. He's obviously had his big days in, re- in this season, but he's also disappointed people numerous times, me included. And I'm not sure if I just would have the stomach for triple captaining him of all players. Salah, who has more air miles than a Brent goose, is kind of you know isn't necessarily um, the most enticing idea either. But I think Trent is a very like viable, and they're both equal. It's just how much risk you want. Or to... um, oh, just on the on the bench boost argument as well. While we're discussing it, I just don't feel like the peripheral figures in your side have the fixtures that you really want um, to be going for the bench boost. And so I feel like Aye. this is it. Like I, I feel like it is one of those forced moments to bench boost. Like the fact of the matter is is that. Uh, Cancelo or Laporte at home to Tottenham are probably more interesting as defensive options than most of the bench boost options in defense, for example, just to pick two random players. And I guess that typifies the issue with the bench boost that we get very obsessed about looking to the doubles when the fact of the matter is, is that the premiums return quite nicely most weeks. And so if you have your premiums you know, well lined up and then your your alternative cast have decent fixtures, going in a single game week I don't think is a bad idea at all.
0: What about hits, guys? Um, Not for a bench boost, but just say like a minus 8 or minus 12 to get from four or five double game weeks to somewhere like seven or eight i guess where would you cut it off
2: i'll give the annoying first answer and say it depends i guess if you're taking a bunch of hits to try and make sure you you know move around money to get salah into your side you know i think that's a very different way of framing the use of hits than it is to you know bring in um a bunch of like dwight mcneil characters Arkovsky into your side. Crazy. yeah <laughs> you know like you know not all minus eights or minus 12s are created equally um, and I, I guess I'd bear that in mind more than anything. I, I don't think it's a bad idea, to be honest, though, at least at least now, at least with the Tarkovskis as well of this world, at least you've got the double double there to justify <laughs> at least you might get eight points. Um, from appearances, um, over the course of the uh, multiple game, because of the Burnley doubles being being the kind of the fodder that you can kind of prop up your defense with, and you know prop up your budget with, you think about the points potential that those mm-hmm. hits have, and Dwight McNeil doesn't provide much. Jata or Salah provides quite a huge ceiling.
1: It does seem that those big hits are being promulgated as being a particularly decent idea, and I think the point behind that is that. You can buy, for example, if you are free hitting in 27, an Arsenal player this week. And the reason behind doing that is because in 20, in 30, our game is going ahead. So I think that you're kind of buying a player to have some sort of downstream impacts on your team and it kind of works, it kind of makes sense to be doing that because you're going to get the long-term value out of taking the hit this week, especially if you're removing a player who you don't really want and you're moving on some deadwards and you're kind of thinking, you know what, All right, I've got the immediate game this week of the double and Arsenal's double is being fated as being a good one because we've got two home fixtures and then you're able to say, you know what, I'm buying a player for this, I can cover in 27 either via my team or via using a free hit chip, and then in game week 30, I've saved myself transfers as well. So there's huge value in doing it. I think Nima, you mentioned earlier on about big hits being taken by a lot of people in Analytics FC. Do you think that that's kind of the the reasoning for it? So I
0: think that that's the thing. So I have three Liverpool boys, um, and I have Saka. So in 27, I'm already going to be down to kind of 10 players and. I really want an Arsenal defender because I think these two home games are rife for clean sheets. And I've not had Ramsdale all season. I'm, I'm pretty confident as well that he's going to potentially be one of the highest scorers of the double. So I really want him. But doing something like De Gea to Ramsdale when De Gea has Leeds next week and I only have one free hit, and I'm not going to free hit, is painful. So then the question sort of comes in like, well, what about Pope, as you said? Because is he worth a hit? Now, the painful thing is we don't know if Pope will play in Game Week 30, and we won't know that till after the Game Week 27 deadline mm-hmm. when the Cup games happen. So that frustrates me. I've got one free hit. I will use it in Game Week 30, I believe, if no other fixtures get added. But for now, if Burnley-Southampton gets added, I can get to Broha in maybe 27 or a bit later. I can get um, double Burnley now. So something like a Pope, a Weghorst if he was fit, Tarkovsky – I would go all in on those hits because I would consider them as hits that will pay me off because I can then in 27 sell Jota. I know that's a different debate in itself, but I could then sell him and then I'd only have three players um, from the Arsenal side that I would be benching and Liverpool side again. So, so what do you think of that then? Do you believe that like, if you were in my shoes, would you get a Pope with four fixtures and just replace De Gea outright? Or would you keep De Gea for your bench for 27?
2: Why have uh, David De Gea for Watford when you can have Foster for Man United?
1: <laughs> i mean let's hold that thought because we've got questions on goalkeepers later on as well yeah, hey we're, you know, we're anticipating goalkeeper. them all i think i think there's one thing to cover off here um, which is if you are bench boosting um is there going to be a better triple captain for you um to ben Krellin's spreadsheet no not
3: really,
1: no. <laughs> <Can't> <laughs> really? Uh, but, i mean <laughs> y- you're really looking at a few things aren't you leicester have got norwich home left are you gonna be triple caps James Madison? Wolves, have got a Watford home. Are we gonna be triple captioning Jimenez? Kane or Son, maybe they've got Bryson or Arsenal fixtures to reschedule. Game week 36. If you're gonna triple and in that. Spurs are away at Anfield. Oh, it's it's not very good, as Anthony? That's for sure. It doesn't look like there's one that's on on the horizon.
2: No, and to be honest, like there's there's no point really digging into any further detail than that. It'd just be a waste of oxygen. Like there, there really aren't, um, there doesn't look to be a clear better double game week that you could identify. Sure, you can identify imbalanced fixtures um, at this instance in single game weeks, but who's to know where things will be by the time a lot of those imbalanced fixtures uh, come along? There's just no argument, really, I don't think. It just feels for me that use the triple captain now if you can, and you've got that, you know, quote-unquote problem solved, um, and you've kind of Taking the diligent choice. There is a question about whether Salah is the one to go for because of the exactly. X-Mins, but there isn't a question of why Salah full stop, you know, like, yeah. there isn't kind of, it, this isn't a, you know, here's the, here's the reason why you should triple captain Lacazette.
1: This nicely brings us on to essentials for this week, um, because obviously there are players who are, being looked at as being part of the essential set in double game week, any blank game week, there are players who need to quote unquote cover. And I think there'll be a few here. Salah, of course, being one of the key ones. Good question. FPL Fledgling, uh, one of the meme goats on Twitter, asks me, hey, Tom, uh, which players should I target, bring into my team for double game week 26? And Salah is the biggie, isn't he? Um, and I think it's probably worth mentioning the question, who would you sacrifice if, if you're a non-owner, I think that most people have got your Liverpool at the moment. I suspect most people have got, you know, maybe Jota, Trent, and probably you know Robertson, maybe or like another one. um if you ask, would you ever look at perhaps selling Jota, Nima uh, to uh, accommodate Salah, or would you be kind of looking at selling Robertson?
0: I would just go Jota straight to Salah and keep your double defence. um th- There is the question of do you want to dodge Salah altogether? Like, there's a few managers who want to be maverick like that, and. They want to dodge him and just have the double fullbacks and Jota um, fair play to them. Um, I don't take risks like that. I don't live life on the edge like that. So not for me, I'd pass. Um, and in terms of other assets, um, I do worry about Robertson because there is that question of x mins about Salah. I think it would be unfair to not assume the same of Robertson. I think Sumikas was very good cover earlier on in the season I'd argue maybe he was actually performing better than Robertson until Robertson came into form more recently. So, I'd worry about him equally missing the game before the final. Really, that does just leave Trent and, um, and Salah for me. And Jot's is not a consideration, which is why I would, in this
1: scenario, send him for Salah. Okay. Well, I mean, Jota's been sold. I think he's seventh or eighth in the transfers out at the moment. I think he's got about 60,000 sales, something like that. And Jota selling him is a a bit of a huge bet against Template at the moment. He's 40% owned overall, and he's doing okay in the data over the last six. Fun fact, Fabinho actually has a higher expected goal involvement over the last six games than Jota does, whereas Robbo is not looking very good in the expected data. Um, 0.7 XGI, free goal involvements, so a big overperformance. And over the course of the season, according to Statsbom, Jota's a close second behind Salah in terms of the season XGI. And I suspect the majority of people listening have this a, a, a very large investment in Jota. I bought him at 7.5. He's now 8.5. Getting rid of him is basically saying goodbye to him for the whole season. And I think that that perhaps maybe pushing me towards thinking about selling for me, Robertson instead. And Mm. if I had Jota and I had only one sort of a Liverpool player, I might be looking at not, Selling Jota has been my route to doing something else. I'd be looking at just, you know selling Bruno, which a lot of people are doing. Um, but I, I think it's a very difficult sell to sell to sell Jota. It really is. Um, and uh, I yeah, I would also- I would want him this week. That, that's the difficulty. But I guess you're
0: right. Some people will have double Liverpool, right? So even though they sold Salah, they never then went and put that money back into Robert. So in that scenario, it's very easy. I think you see it in the market forces, as you said. Um, I think anyone who owns kind of De bruyne Bruno, now is the time to move back to Salah with them. Um. I think it's an easy sell. Um, in the Robertson sale, who are you looking at, I guess? Because we're talking about essential picks for this double game week. And for me, I feel like um, Wolves, the fact that they play in game week 30, that they don't blank in 27, you know, yeah. like, that's an option. You've got the
1: double-double. I got, got Kilman in on my wild card, so he's already there. I don't have an Arsenal defensive asset at the moment. I think it's quite interesting to look at Arsenal because they've got um, the best Double on paper after Liverpool, courtesy of those two home games, um, and I think season wide um, we've been in the middle of the pack in terms of defensive data. An important win, uh, ground up versus Wolves, but over the last six games, importantly, we're second bottom for SGC. Now, only minuscule amount difference between us and Man City. Uh, Ramsdale actually looks like the obvious pickup. And so I might be looking at another goalkeeper transfer, which we we'll be talk about later on. Whoops. Um, but Tierney, I think, is one that's got a lot of interest. Um, I can see why, because you've got that kind of any given game week sort of thing going on. But I listened to his data all season long, and it's not that great. That's 90 is 0.12, which is not that great. And over the last six matches, not six game weeks, but last six matches, Gabriel actually has the best XGI amongst defenders. 2.69, which is pretty good. lots lot of headed attempts. But I, I kind of feel like it's just worth perhaps if you're looking at buying someone for the long term, just buying White or buying Tommy Yassi or something like that. Boxing with
0: cheaper, yeah. I think I did look at White as an alternative to Tierney. I feel like Ramsdale's the one you really want. And if you've got your goalkeeper covered or you already have him, you could even get a double Arsenal defense. Um, obviously, again, if you're free hitting in 27. That's a lot easier. I think if I was free-hitting 27, I would not be going into this game without free Arsenal assets on top of the free Liverpool assets. That, that,
2: that's a certainty for me. Yeah, that, that's... 20, 27 is definitely dominating my thoughts. And I know we're, we're kind of skipping a bit ahead here, but dominating my thoughts when it comes to transfers because yeah, I could find myself in a very sticky situation very quickly, um, being tripled up on Liverpool already. Um, for that particular double game week, and this is the reason why. It's I think it's a Wolves defender as a non as someone who's used my wild card and as a non free hitter in the coming weeks. Uh, that's I, that's why I. Uh, it's Wolves defenders are kind of winning out in my kind of primary thoughts, I guess. Um, for this double game week ahead of the Arsenal ones, even if their fixtures are kind of dirt in some ways, uh, Leicester have been dodge a bit so it's not impossible for wolves to grab a clean sheet out of that one and um arsenal was obviously improved and things haven't been um and you know assert to get goals against anyone so with that in mind i'm I'm not too scared of having that wolves defender um and which one would you go for obviously uh, tom scott kilman already and people talk about cody as well as like one of the
0: center backs but mm -hmm. it does i nori tempt either of you would he be someone you'd get over
1: a more nailed starter? He didn't start this week, did he? And Johnny's yeah. now, now back from injury. So I think that that ship has sailed really. I think that you know, Kilman did rise the other day, but him, he's played every minute of the season. Um, even Cody's been substituted and Kilman's been left oh. on the pitch. Uh, that's probably telling about who he is. Yeah, Kilman's
0: in my Sky overhaul team, actually. You make a good <laughs> point. Um, Where it comes to certain formats, I play much more safely, but... Um, I Nori really tempted because I had heard that there is talk of Johnny potentially actually playing on the other wing back position and that,
1: he, you well, know, could... replacing Semedo.
0: Essentially, yeah, yeah because Semedo doesn't have ample cover. So there was that comment there. But, um... you
1: yeah, know, one thing I would mention is that Wolves have got the seventh best defense season long, according to Stats Bomb. But they're pretty middle of the pack over the last six weeks. And really tellingly, they've got the second most lucky defence in terms of expected <laughs> goal concession. So dealt, they've conceded much less goals than their expected um, data would have suggested. Uh, so maybe it'll be a bit of a flash in the pan. We'll see what happens with, with, our, with our game. I think that, that game, for me, did scream out as a nil nil. Um, but nonetheless, um, it could be worth just, just having one. And plus, they play in game week 30. So again, looking looking into the idea of a long-term pick, if you do buy a Wolves defender, they're going to do you decently over the course of the next little while. And plus they've got a nice double with Watford at home to come and Watford can't score for anything, can they?
2: On the Wolves defenders, it's Saïs actually that stands out to me as the one that I pick up. I know he's that little bit more expensive, but um, we've heard plenty of discussions about how Leicester can't defend off corners. Saïs is the one that you tend to see. Um, posing a biggest threat of the Wolves defenders at corners and uh, that alone to be honest is enough for me to merit bringing him in and paying that little bit more there isn't a huge difference between the you know 0.3 and 0.4 in the difference between um him and Cody and Kilman and so I think that means that yeah it's worth extra amount with a little bit of a gamble that kind of comes in size specifically against Leicester and then generally as well he does provide um a far greater attacking threat sure but um just before you move on from
0: all this I have a question because Jimenez is someone I'm looking at um I wasn't before I was going to get away calls for double double and the hope he didn't blank in 30 potentially but Jimenez doesn't blank in 30 and I don't know if I can bring myself to Lacazette either with the blank in 27 so it's kind of like Jimenez instead of a Wolves defender is what I'm kind of maybe pondering on and then I would get an Arsenal defender or a Burnley defender in that other slot. So although Wolves is great, I think just from my structure, Jimenez actually appeals to me more from Wolves for those same reasons of obviously not blanking. Um, What do you guys think about Jimenez? Has he returned to the
2: same confidence as before his head injury? Only Burnley, who obviously played the least games of all, have less shots in the box than Wolves did. (laughs) in that oh. period and to be honest I think that kind of answers the question for me it's just like whilst it's it's great to see him and as doing well and whilst he has shown signs that um, he could be good he kind of falls into the the greater problem that is forwards and paying 7.4 for him when you can get you know cheaper similar scoring alternatives i think
1: i think at that price given the value of what he offers he's probably worth it the thing is is it this week is that's this this the thing. I could get him
0: next week for the, uh, King. Yeah, so yeah, I'm thinking th- just do that next week, maybe
1: for me. And that we all hate Watford strikers. We've all <laughs> got. We've probably all got one. I mean, I've got one. You've got but five, Anthony, by the sounds of it. And yeah. King, like, Looking at the data, it's just ridiculous. You know, to King over the last six game weeks, two xgi. Oh, it's awful. Dennis, nearer one over the last six. Ouch, it's terrible. And you've got the likes of, you know, Edouard out there, um, I and mean, Veghorst who kind of looks like he might be crocked. I mean, it's it's really slim pickings amongst strikers. So it could be worth just looking at that singular in terms of Mr. Broher and thinking, you know what? sack off this game week. The strikers are all crap. Let me just grab a player who I'm going to have, you know, I can play him. I can bench him happily. I'm fine with it either way. He's got decent fixtures and he's got a double on, on the horizon. I think it's a homeless Newcastle the the outstanding fixture. He could be well worth it. Uh, I think the strikers in general are, are very, very, um, <laughs> very much a vexed question. And yeah, don't buy Lacazette, dear me, just don't do it. Okay, so I
0: should stay away from Lacazette, I should stay away from Jimenez. course might be crocked. And I should probably wait for Breho one more week. So does that mean I keep Ronaldo versus Leeds? We'll, we'll see what happens. Probably. I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, yes. Yeah, <laughs> at, Yeah. at this rate, it sounds like unless I need the money to upgrade and I already have silo it, it feels like what's the point? Um, what do you think about C- not City, sorry, um, Spurs boys then? just I feel like they're yeah, the one lost is, team. So, so, oh, this,
1: yes. so, so this is interesting because uh, we've got a question from Owen who asks, uh, is it worth worth its hit out Foden for Son this week um, he says that he's not impressed with Foden's returns recently but he also says that Spurs aren't filling him with confidence either oh. um, so there's not much separating Son and uh, the erstwhile hero I mean I uh, kept him Anthony sold him Harry Kane uh, over the last few weeks and not much separating them in terms of the stats bomb data as well Spurs are still second for expected goals um, from open play over the last six game weeks and Kane over the last six game weeks they have more shots more shots on target than any outfield player he's revving those analog stats like he used to the old school volume striker and that's also translating into the SGI He's second for this over the last few game weeks uh, to 4.81. He's underperforming by uh, 1.81 as well. It's the fifth worst underperformance of any player. And as I noted last week, this is the first season he's ever massively underperformed. Every other season, he's massively overperformed. Will it all turn round? Well, as an owner, I'm hoping it will. A 7% goal conversion is absolutely pants. In some ways, he's cheaper than than Kane. He's more advanced than Kane in terms of the average uh, positioning maps. And he takes less shots, which is good, actually, because a great proportion of them are on target, which means he's favoured by the bonus system. A quick note too, Spurs have the highest XG performance over the last six. 11.91 is their XG, but only seven scored. So five goals are missing over the last few games, uh, which is just crazy. I do think it's going to happen for them eventually. I think Conte did come out and say over, after the last game, it was one of the best performances he'd seen from his team didn't he? So I think it, I think it's probably all coming together. I'm reminded of, you know, when Luis Suarez was hitting the post all the time. Maybe it's just the case that things are kind of moving in slowly uh, to fit together. But I think to move us on to Spurs and also move us on to the midfielders, because we haven't really spoken about Nima. Um, Son, where do you stand on him? How would you answer Owen's question? Would you be moving out Foden and bringing Son in for that double?
0: Two weeks, De Bruyne outscored him. And it was only when De Bruyne got benched last game week where I had some vindication and Foden finally got me eight points. But um, so it just feels like I've had him for three weeks. Um, I, I had him earlier in the season, sold him when we found out he wasn't going to play just pre-deadline. So it's like, I really rate Foden. I kind of want to hold him. I think City are the best team in the league. Um, I don't want to get blinded by double game week fever. And even though I prefer Sun to Kane, for that one reason, I would go to Kane, I think. And that is actually something that after today's chat is starting to become more apparent to me. Um, I could just do Ronaldo to Kane instead of to these trash strikers like Jimenez and Weghorst and Lacquer, And there's a lot of trash out there. And, you know, Broha can come next week for my Watford striker after their double. So Kane is on my radar. He's 2 million more. I know that's not what everyone wants to do, but I also feel like you're right. Um, Kane, he was averaging like 23 goals in the Prem for seven seasons, the last seven seasons. And, um, this season he's way off that, so I do genuinely believe that we will start to see the best of Kane again. And
2: I, I, I you see, I, I look at the Kane question. And I think I, it's it's hard to buy into him. It's I feel like you know the midfield question is kind of. The more you know, vexing one from an FPL perspective. Like, okay, you can stick your money wherever you want in the forwards. You'll probably get two points from them. You won't get any goals. This is just how it has been. It is. It is foretold. Whereas when you go to the midfielders, there is you know a more interesting question. I think with Son, I don't necessarily think expected minutes is the biggest thing that would put me off. Son, it's it's kind of you know Spurs being Spursy more generally. Is what would uh, lead me to be fearful for Son, and yet at the same time, like he's not too far off two hundred club form um, so far this season. Still, you know, he's he's nearly at one hundred and twenty points now with. You know, about a quarter-ish, but just over a quarter, maybe a third of the season to go. That's, you know, pretty decent going in the overall scheme of things. He's kind of proven himself to be relatively resilient um, from a, an FPL points perspective as well during the Conte reign, which is, you know, obviously a, a very positive thing in spite of the fact that maybe the, you know, obviously against Wolves, there was a pretty disappointing game for uh, him and his teammates more generally so that's why i think okay specifically on the midfield question when it comes to spurs yeah, I, think I think you're
0: right it's good that you made that point actually just because i looked at it as a straight fold into Sun question and mm-hmm. actually if you throw that out of the way and just think about the midfield
2: Sun, yeah. like he's easily one of the best midfielders you could own this season he, even fantastic. even uh, even this even this season he's managed yeah, to do nah. that when everything has been going poorly you can't say the same for Kane. Then looking kind of across the the grid, maybe you you talked about the city midfielders there. And they're kind of an interesting one in that obviously they have the single game week. But as you say, Neiman, you were kind of talking about your own um issue when it comes to Foden. Any of them can bang. So I think it's it's a brace. I called it a hat-trick earlier, it's a brace. It could be anyone, in the coming game week. And so I can totally see the argument with Foden. We've, we've discussed Foden ad nauseum over the course of this season. The fact of the matter is, is that when he plays and when he plays 90 minutes, he nearly always gets an attacking return. There's very few players in the whole Premier League that you can say that about. Um, maybe looking more broadly at the midfielders, I'm not sure how many of the double game week midfielders would be that interesting. Okay, oh, Do you really want good. any of the birdly ones? No, I don't want McNeil. That's basically what that question is. We'll know. A corne.
0: There's Cornet.
2: yeah yeah there's that question
0: just in case he's like let's say out of position if where course is like crocked crocked like out for a month or something
2: yeah there's obviously an implicit interest but it's still burnley though it's still burnley um I, I personally dumped Rafinha last game week um, because I was just getting too fed up with what's going on with Leeds. And uh, I kind of missed the Rafinha fluky penalty run. And really, there's been no sign of anything kind of coming his way. Otherwise, it just just doesn't have the the teammates there performing um, like he did last year to kind of get the returns that would you know match his talent. Okay, so we've talked about the Tottenham uh, midfielders, basically Son. I th- I'd be very pro them. Crystal Palace midfielders, Olise is quite good, obviously. Um, you know, decent fixtures there. They also kind of fall into the happy category of playing in 27, which is obviously something that the, the likes of Toms and I really do need to keep in mind. And um, you the Watford ones that we've been through this. I think the Arsenal <laughs>
0: midfield is really where it's at. So I, I'm yeah. quite fortunate in that I've had Saka for a long time and... Um, but I have also missed all the points when other players got them. Uh, similar to the city midfield, it rotated a lot with the likes of Smith Rowe and Martinelli, and even Odegaard. Um I do feel for everyone who does have Martinelli. So there's, I guess, the first question is like, uh... Martinelli.
2: <laughs> just 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 dig dig into the Arsenal midfield question a little bit yeah. more. both so, like, of you, would... maybe. So aside from Martinelli, like, okay, do you, like, yeah, okay, you've you had you've you've had Saka for a while. So do you think you're obviously going to sit on him because you're not going to move him on? But if you were choosing right now, is Saka the one you'd pick?
0: Yeah. And I think I said it pre-season. I said it even like when the others were popping, because when I go and watch the games live and obviously like you can see what's going on off the camera where it's not mm-hmm. on the TV view. To me, Saka's is clearly the most important player at Arsenal. And tying him down to an extension of his contract is the most vital pieces of business we're trying to do this summer. And he was our player of the season last year as a kid. He's still a kid. Um, you know, he's actually one year younger than Smith-Rowe. But people don't realize that because he started so early playing uh, prominently for us and carrying us, you could say. Um, obviously, this is where the Talisman Fury became famous here on who got the assist. Um, and with that in mind, for me, Saka is the guy. Like when the team wants to play or perform, they look to him. So for me, yep. I would have Saka, but I love the idea of a double Arsenal midfield. Um, I think Odegaard, just for the minutes, is the one I would go for over um, even before kind of the Smith rowe is gone now. But, um, you know, he's going to be more nailed, but I wouldn't go to him anyway. And um, Martinelli, Tom, I know you were very close to getting Odegaard over him. At the time, we both said Martinelli is another player we're trying to tie down to a long-term contract. And I believe he's learned to not just run at 100 miles per hour and take the game a bit by the horns and choose when to go at 100 miles per hour, which is getting the best out of Martinelli now. I think double
1: Arsenal mids till the end of the season for me once Martinelli's back from his ban. Yeah, Saka's head and shoulders above all Arsenal attacking assets season long. Although Martinelli's uh, suspension does hurt him a bit. annoyingly this double and that was a ludicrous double yellow card to be honest um you can't you you can't appeal yellow cards annoyingly um and also saka's xgi per 90 now is better than martinelli's uh, 4.5 versus 0.41 everybody was saying about martinelli's uh, xgi plans being amazing Well, saka is actually better than that right the end of this particular section Uh, What's the best approach to double game 26? It depends. There isn't one. It depends on your team. I think that basically the thing to remember for me is that I've been unlucky in FPL. I've long accepted that, but FPL is always the practice of putting yourself in the position to be lucky. There's lots of nuggets here, depending on what your situation is that you can apply to where you are translate into how your team is looking Nonetheless, I think there'll be it'll be an interesting double game week, that's for sure. I think it'll be one that definitely a few individuals are gonna make the difference. I think we're all looking at Salah to be the man that we do captain or triple captain, depending on how we do it. I, I think it's gonna be very difficult to not caption him. I think that Anthony and I are both looking at triple uh triple captioning or captioning Trent and hoping for the best based on the X Mins. Will we do it? Who knows? Anthony's more likely to do it than I am let's be fair I,
2: I think I will I think I will to be honest that's yeah.
1: Because, yeah that's because you're a madman and I think I am I may well join you because I may, I may need to but nonetheless I think that obviously captioning Salah or captioning a Liverpool player is, is optimal but beyond that it's up to you and it depends on your team alright let's take a break there and move on to the questions and correspondence of course to start this break who
3: got the assist who got the assist
1: all right, we're back and it's time to go into the correspondence and questions. Before we do that, it's worth mentioning a couple of the meetups which are going on in the new future. So sadly, I can no longer make the 18th of February meetup in Bristol. Uh, that is isn't the King Street Brewhouse, um, but do let me know if you are interested in going along to that. I'm going to try to make my way to Bristol in March or maybe April, but, but likely March to do something or other again then but the king street brew house from about kind of midday onwards so the guys have got a room in in that pub but i think it's the tank room for the whole day um i think it's about 30 people going so it should be really, really good yeah 18th of february in bristol if you're interested let me know uh, on twitter and i will uh, pop you into the group and then uh, you know subsequent meetups you'll be part of that if you're in the west country and uh, fpl Nima does run his own meetup group in London, the Doyen of FPL meetups. Uh, there's another one going on this Saturday, the 18th of February. And uh, tell us about it, Nima.
0: Yeah. So um, as you will know, um, the first one was just five friends. We watched our beloved Arsenal get slapped up 5-0 against Man City with dread. Um, that was a great midday kickoff. And since then, this is going to be the sixth one now. We've been meeting up every month in London. And I don't know, it's kind of really blown up out of proportion, if I'm honest. and. It's not what I expected, but it's the best part of the FPL community. And it's just like friends getting together, watching the matches. Like It's like kind of like eight to 12-hour days people come and go. And now we've gone from five people to... um, I've actually had to get the bigger room this time, Tom. So it's the upstairs I've had to private hire. (laughs) So it's getting bigger each time. Last time we got exclusive downstairs lounge. This time upstairs with a projector. So it's been great fun. And lots of FPL um, kind of, I guess, fellow addicts are coming. All the way from content creators down to people who don't even have Twitter accounts. And many casuals alike, so everyone is welcome. It's great fun, and we hope to make it a bigger thing. And obviously, Tom, you're one of the founding members in that first five, so it's, it's crazy. Here you are shouting out a Bristol West Country meetup, a London meetup, both on the same day. In, in a year's time, there'll be a meetup in
1: every city. FPL is taking over. I would completely, you know, a bit of people kind of say, you know, what I'm a bit concerned, so I'm going on my own. Just do it because at the end of the day, you get there. FPL is a great equalizer because everyone's into it. After a while, everyone gets their phone out and looking at our teams and we're talking about those sorts of things. And it doesn't like for me, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a content creator or whatever. But at the end of the day, I'm just a person who really likes FPL and everyone else's. And that's a, such a good way of doing it. And after a while, you know, FPL becomes like a bridge to talking about everything else that goes on in real life. Final thing to mention. It's Benny Blanco at Benny underscore Blanco 40 um, is running a uh, North versus South charity football match in aid of Street Child United. And if you want to go along to that, you can find all the information you want to know about that at GW39 North versus South, all one word, uk. Saturday 28th of May, 2022. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the rest of this podcast, starting with the correspondence, Anthony take it away for the penultimate
2: time you nearly do a big build-up no yes indeed it is the correspondence section the section where you guys can get your long-form thoughts addendums questions poetry songs or whatever else it might be into who got the assist at gmail.com or whatever other means you have of reaching myself and tom or indeed uh, later soon to be harry as well um, this correspondence has come in and it's it's another old one we've been this has been a bit of an issue lately where we just didn't get around to them I know I know I know I'm so sorry. And this was James C so thank you very much James C for emailing who got the assist at gmail.com and he sent us a rather long email which was um, really well put together in things talking about his, you know, the amount of hits that he'd taken so far in the season and you know the sorts of questions that he asked himself and the things he had to consider when it came to his FOMO with bandwagons and focusing on team value and all the rest of it. But the crux of his question, in truth, was, is there a formula that can be derived to give an empirically-based rank for certain player positions i.e i'm going to rephrase that too is there certain stats that you think are more important or which can be amalgamated together to form the ultimate method of you know figuring out your transfers and figuring out which players provide you with the most value in fpl so lads uh, on that particular question thank you james for emailing in what do you think
1: I mean, there's loads of ways to look at and assess data and great arguments have raged for a long time about the best way of comprehending a player's worth, value, whatever, using it. Fundamentally, as I always say, stats are part of and not the full picture. I think anybody in that Analytics FC or however... They're aligned, or so it's the grass FC sort of stuff where there are people for people who aren't on Twitter. That's the people who say, you know, the eye test is king, versus the analytics crowd who say, you know, it's all about the data, it's all about the spreadsheets and everything like that. I think. If you look at the data set, the data set's always there for everybody. Those are things like you know, researcher bias, and you know, your own confirmation bias, that so will find the way to make the data work to suit your argument. What's really useful is that the eye test is a really important way to weigh that data. So to say, you know what? Okay, the data says this, but I've watched a few games and I know that even though this player's data is very good. The reality is that they're not a very good player. And as Nima said earlier on as well, looking at players in real life is very important. So looking at a character like Josh King, for example, is very important here. So he's very well regarded by a lot of the, 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 uh, the, the, the algorithms out there. You need to probably factor in, though, that he's probably not the best finisher in the world. An add Absurdam example of that is that if I was playing for Man City, me, as me, um, I I would probably be played in by Kevin De Bruyne a lot in the six-yard box. I I wouldn't be able to finish because I'm a terrible footballer, but my ex-data would show that I'm brilliant. I'm great at getting into spots if I was goal-hanging. But, you know, I'm not a good footballer. Josh King is a much better footballer than I am, but Watford do not have a KDB. And Josh King's data is still probably better than his actual finishing is, which is not very good. Finishing skill in particular is a live area of discussion in the analytics world because it doesn't quite equate to what the expected goals are. You can get in great positions, but if you're unable to finish the chances, you aren't going to be eliciting the outcomes that we expect to make you look into a good player. And it does mean that after a while you look at the data and you kind of have to layer in this notion of is that player actually any good? That's where the eye test, that's where the data, both of them come together and you need to be able to weigh that data against the eye test. TLDR from me uh, for James's question is basically twofold. One, defensive data. If you're looking at a goalkeeper, you're looking at a cheap centre-back, I'll look at team data. So centre-backs who are 4.5, you know, the sort of players who are going to come on every now and again and do a job for you. Team data, team XGC, that's what's really important. Some centre-backs as well, it's worth looking at, you know, stuff like bonus generation um, and maybe XG, so headers from corners and things like that. But it's mostly about team XGC data. Are they able to give you a clean sheet? What is their kind of overall chance of getting you that clean sheet to get you that six points? I think that's probably going to be the ceiling. For goalkeepers, you also need to throw them XG, expected goals prevented, and also saves. So are they going to be able to give you, even if if they don't concede, even if they do concede, sorry, are they going to be able to give you some saves to give you extra points on top of what they do? Attacking-wise, there's one king stat. That is non-pen XG plus A on FB ref stats bomb. That's the king stat because it basically just says how likely are they going to be involved in a goal for their team? And I think that's really important. XGI, I guess, is another way of looking at it. XGI from open play, if you're looking at it on scout or also on hub. But I think those two are the key for me. I don't really kind of see any other stat being worth it. People do look at kind of things like, oh, touched in the box. Oh, shots on target, et cetera. If only there is a way of bringing this all together, what there is in this expected data. That's all it is. It's a way of basically bringing all of it together, making it into a collage, making it into a combination of data points and summarizing them in one data point which is basically non-pen xg plus a Nima, i like that
0: yeah no i like that just because um for me i think i definitely be on the non penalty xg side of it but then i will look at certain players like josh king and get sucked in when i see that their stats are good and on top of it he suddenly has penalties um so i have been falling into those traps myself um I guess the other thing I would look at is just, I know we're talking about stats, you are talking about eye tests and then kind of like analytics. Um, and I said this earlier to you, um, for me, I think we're not playing like a game where we're playing FPL against a PC or a computer. Like we're not actually trying to get the most points that we think we could get in a team. It's like more like poker. It's akin to that. So we're trying to compete with other FPL managers and what they're going to do. So a lot of people will hate me for this, but like I treat EO as a stat. Like I consider that a stat and I look at like my price and how much of my budget is spent on certain positions and do I own a premium in each position that would let me get to any other player if they start doing really well and have value. That stuff weighs a lot to me in my thinking and decision-making. So I actually do see EOS like a stat and I look at the assets I own and I look at their ownership dropping and then I look at their other underlying stats and the eye test and I say, do I want to sell them? Or can I take advantage of the lower EO because while people sell, I think this week he's gonna actually do really well. So I'll lose the prices, but I'll wait for the points kind of thing. And that's what I was saying about being patient earlier the season. Equally the opposite is true, where if a player's EO gets very high, and maybe I think their, you know, their numbers are they're overperforming, let's say, and the eye test shows I don't think they're gonna carry on, like maybe the lucky penalties were for for instance, that we didn't know he had, then I'd be like, I will just avoid this asset. I'll wait, like they'll, they'll revert back to the norm. My eye test tells me the data is overperforming. They will revert soon. And I've missed the points I could have gained when their EO was low. So I'll be buying them as a shield to protect my rank. I'm gonna attack somewhere else at another emerging asset. So I think that's what FPLs become to me. I really enjoy the market forces you talk about and like, what's the next asset to get on and have I missed that train or not? Like, I think it's all about, do you get onto the asset with two, three weeks where they're gonna actually gain your and points? Because after that, if they're doing it, everyone will own them. And we've seen that this season, right? I think last week, Jota, Bowen, Cancelo, Trent, four of my 11, the one I didn't captain, they weren't going to help my rank. They were all over 100% ownership. So again, I do think like for me, that's a major stat. And I know a lot of people wouldn't agree with that. I don't make decisions on EO, but I'm trying to be other managers and knowing like where I can gain ground or lose ground for me. That's, that's how I play poker and I love poker. So I kind of treat FPL that way and I add the numbers and eye tests, but I actually look at EO a lot more. And later, as I told me, like, I should go with my gut more and trust my football beliefs. And I said,
1: let's see, because I'm, I'm, I'm very risk-averse, as you saw on my profile. I think the power of EO is very strong. I, I think that live FPL has definitely become a real thing uh, amongst managers. That's definitely true. Um, I think that, you know, you only need to see when a popular player scores, that you can't get on live FPL and you will see the Python, um, you know, too much traffic thing going on. Um, and I think that, you know, there's definitely a school of thought that you need to just kind of divorce yourself from what everyone else is doing. And probably the best thing that, you know, I have, the worst thing I ever did was learn what everyone else is doing because at the end of the day that affects your game. There's no way, there's no way around looking at that. You know, this game week is a great example where I know, that everyone's going to be Salah. That's a, if I was looking outside of that and just kind of looked at my team and thought, you know what? All right, well, I think that Salah is going to be worth owning because he might do something. But I think that Trent's going to you know, play both games and he could well do something as well. But I know now that, <laughs> that Salah is going to be owned by loads of people and captained by loads of people. It's a very difficult one. And I think the EO definitely is one that I kind of wish I didn't know about eo as well is one that can warp decision making an awful even amount. if
0: we choose not to use it right? i think that's the problem people say they don't use eo for their decisions but a lot of the time they're just going against eo and that's still a decision based on eo so i think you can go in either extreme you can kind of follow eo and only make eo decisions or you can try and always do the opposite and like sometimes it might pay off sure but my main thing is that because you're playing other people the times it doesn't pay off like that will tank seasons. And I guess that's why someone who's more maverick, they'll have really high ranks. And then maybe they'll also have some really bad ranks. Um, Then you've got the (laughs) avatars of the world too. They're not human, but...
1: (laughs) This is what differentiates FPL from actual football, isn't it? It's the, the gamified edge FPL has got. That, the transfer market, and captaincy. Those are the three things. And captaincy obviously is folded in with EO. But those three things make... FPL, a bit of a different proposition to just kind of saying, all right, you know, I'm going to be predicting every week what the best level is going to be. You've got to manage your team. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. If I was betting
0: against the market, right, and I wanted to bet for money, like I would bet based on what I think is going to happen. But in FPL, I don't necessarily need to bet on what I think is going to be the best thing. Because, yeah, you know, maybe I want to captain someone who's 5% EO and I'll get 200% of their points. But if I know that four of my players are over 100%, why would I want to only be rooting on seven of the 11 assets I own? Like, that's the other problem. Like I started playing FPL to enjoy it. So I do say that actually test does factor in a lot for me. And that's why I liked what you said about boiling it down Mm -hmm. to two or three key stats that you religiously will look at, but everything else, like watch the game, see what you think, and try to preempt stuff as well. So, because I'd rather watch a game and enjoy it. And I buy assets who I enjoy watching. That was the question about Cody earlier was, um, it's kind of like, I don't want a player I can't... Aik Nori excited me. So it's, there's another problem I have there where that bias comes in. I like to buy players I enjoy watching
1: because I play FPL because I want to enjoy the football more. Yeah, but contextually, you also know that Ignori may not play the yeah. minutes he wants to play. And that's it. X-Mins again. Um, and that's
0: um, another stat. So I think X-Mins is a bigger stat this season than I've thought about in prior seasons. If you
1: wanted to just talk about stats, I, I would put X-Mins as a big stat there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's all... One of those things that like is is stats are part of not the full picture, and I think you could do very very well watching the games and not really paying any attention to anything, just saying that player looks dangerous. I'll bring him in next week. He does a goal, amazing. And you've also got the likes of Simon March, who came on our uh, pod for behavioural science uh, during the course of the summer, who won FPL without really watching any games it works both ways it really does and it really is about variance and how those things impact you i think it's
0: your style as well though so you've got to tap into what your preferred play style is and i think if you play the way that you will be kind of in the zone you could say that's when you're going to really do well i think if you go against your style of play you'll end up actually like making worse and worse mistakes that damage you in the long run well, that's a
1: different
2: question. But anyway, uh,
1: Anthony, Anthony, what do you think about all of this? And do you want to bring it to an end
2: too? i bring it to an end because you guys have um, really kind of discussed every angle on this, I think possible. The, James, when he kind of asked this question, was really trying to focus on stats. And I think when he when he was thinking about, it, he was thinking about picking players based on you know their actual stats and what they do on the pitch. So you know, very quickly you can talk about you know all sorts of you know, what I would call traditional stats, but, it, you know, all of those feed into XG, XA, XCS, whatever. And so I think the expected stats are kind of the stats to rule them all um, as you kind of started to get out in your particular spiel, Tom. And that is interesting. But then, Nima, as you were saying, EO does, for better or for worse, have a significant impact on decision-making in FPL and the extent that you will have success with decisions in FPL. You know, it, it that is what you know, delineates the risk and reward, not so much the stats that you pick on. You know, the stats that you pick on aren't really all that relevant um, by comparison to how others do around you. Um, and so it's it's kind of, it's hard to, you know, discuss these this question of which stats are important without thinking about EO and indeed, yeah, of course, expected minutes. But really, EO does have to feed into it, especially when you're looking at, let's say he was talking about it by position. So for goalkeepers, you know, expected minutes is very important. EO, less important. EO, hugely important for a midfielder. Even if X-Mins is low, if the EO is high, it doesn't really matter. You know, you probably will, you might need to have that player in just to cover yourself. For example, Foden in a big double game week for Man City. You know, even if there is a risk that he only plays one out of the two games, if he's owned by 160% of managers, you'd be brave to not have him. Um. So it is. it is interesting kind of the way that these things interplay. There is no true answer um for your question james but it is certainly one that is worth pondering so thanks so much for emailing into who got the assist at gmail.com the we will still be taking correspondence even after my departure so please do email who got the assist at gmail.com i'm just browbeating tom into continuing the segment here i don't will know we if that's though, actually
3: confirmed will we? Will
1: we? <laughs> i i I feel, I feel
2: like
1: i i think i'm going to give the lucy a chance to think about how she wants to uh, have a section to herself, uh, but we'll have a couple. We've got a couple of uh, correspondence questions left, uh, which we'll will, we will answer uh, on Anthony's announcement Anthony's, uh, pod. Right, so let's that. move on to the questions this week. There are only a few of them because obviously we've covered most of them in the main chat. The first one this week is from Tom at FPL Dummy Tom, who asks if a burn defender is a good choice to bring in, considering the double double. This week's fixtures are pretty iffy, but I'd certainly be looking at one for game week 27 with Palace and Leicester. Uh, the concession of headed attempts, which you mentioned earlier on, is noteworthy. I haven't looked on FPL twister, but I'm sure somebody has done some sort of you know post fred amazing infographic about it somewhere. Um, all season, Leicester have the most headed goal attempts. Uh, the Palace is somewhere in the middle. One thing I'd note, though is that Burnley have had the least attempts from corners of any team this season, only 33. And their recent SGI is nothing to write home about. So you're getting these guys in for appearance, let's be honest. That's the only reason you would be getting these guys in because their SGC is nothing to write home about either. Um, obviously, we've got the kind of Residual feeling that Burnley were very, very good defensively of old. It doesn't really seem to be the case at the moment, but Dyche and Burnley are always able to shut things down Play negatively or whatever. Uh, burnley Wise in general, a uh, who I know you've bought in Anthony and I know Nima you're looking at. This looks okay, decent enough. Uh, Cornet has been shoved out wide to accompany uh, to accommodate uh, J Rod, which hasn't quite worked. And um, I also remember as well, Corne's five point nine. Obviously, there's loads of double games coming up for him, but remember that he was massively outperforming his XG for a long time he was basically in the goal of much month competition with himself and his jelovic style golden touch looks to have trailed off a little bit but at 5.9 you could be interested I'm not particularly interested and speaking to the likes of Clara FPL at the moment you've got to think it's a case of lads it's Burnley if you can get one in fairly easily then do it because you're going to get appearance points but I think the expectations have to be very very low Beyond that, Anthony, what do you think here?
2: Uh, for me, it's just I think there's, as you say, it's the the initial two fixtures are just quite tough, which means that you might not be that interested in any of the Burnley defenders just on the basis of those. But at the same time, you know, Brighton, you know, not exactly free scoring. Spurs haven't been free scoring. Could easily find themselves just in a you know slugfest with Burnley, especially at Turf Lane. And our turf more even and may not um, <laughs> could quite easily come unstuck. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule them out. And I guess as we were discussing. Far, far earlier in the podcast, we were talking about how you know you bring in the Burnley players now as part of uh, you know a grandiose minus eight. At least you've got the justification of the number of games that they're going to play for your side, and that means that they might not necessarily be a bad transfer if you're just going to be making another defensive transfer to bring one of them in in another game week's time anyway. Even even if you end up benching them for this double game week that's coming, uh, of the defenders that are there. Tchaikovsky is the one who seems to be kind of just getting more of the attempts, you know, as you, as Thomas pointed out, there aren't that many of those attempts. I think that just comes down to just not getting many corners, but um of those, it does seem like Tarkovsky presents the biggest threat of them. Pope wouldn't necessarily be a bad, uh, a bad question or a bad player to bring in. We'll have a question on goalkeepers a little bit further on, maybe where Pope can be touched upon in more detail. And I just hope that Veghorst is, is fit, because to be honest, of all of their attacking options, I know this question was really about the double-double for Burnley defenders, but I think Weghorst looks like a pretty decent um, kind of option, for these four games that they have in two game weeks. The man's just going to cause problems. And yeah, I feel for Brighton, that would could be an issue. Certainly with that Spurs defence, that could cause trouble. And then um, after that, as we say, then we're talking about that, that Leicester game with Leicester conceding uh, from corners, Leicester conceding headed attempts in general. I feel, um, whatever he is, like eleven foot ten without Beghorst, is the sort of player that um, <laughs> I'd like to own in that particular game. So yeah, Burnley, there's definitely an option there for now for this game week. Really, only if you're for defenders. I think if you're doing you know a, a big load of transfers, that means that you're going to be taking hits bringing in defenders anyway. You might as well get them now. Nima, do you have any? Uh, different thoughts on the Burnley defenders or it's a difficult one for me because I have
0: Dawson and right now he's playing Newcastle at home and then he's got Wolves in a 27 as well which I believe is potentially also at home Mm -hmm. now I know West Ham haven't kept many clean sheets this season and he -hmm. got that kind of goal I was hoping he would get against um Leicester in the last game I did think that was a possibility so I'm very lucky about that one off the bench um But I ask myself, you know, a minus four now to get four games from like a Tarkovsky, as you say. Is Tarkovsky going to outscore him in four matches? Like,
2: will I look back
0: on this and think to myself, wow, those two games for Dawson without the hit, like maybe that was fine. It's a difficult one for me. It's like, I'm selling a player from a team defensively that I don't really want to own. I'm going to set eventually for maybe like a Wolves defender, let's say, but I'm bringing in a Burnley defender for the sake of these fixtures and That to me, there's not a good enough reason to bring them in. So the other alternative is I could do De Gea to Pope and that suddenly feels a bit more exciting because it's like, I don't want De Gea long-term.
2: And so hold that thought for even one second there because the the next question that we have kind of brings us on to the goalkeeper (laughs) transfers. And it's Sam FPL Pricey was asking specifically about buying Ramsdale or Pope for David De Gea and whether that was a worthwhile move this week, even for a hit. Now, Nima, continue.
0: So I think I would... Like right now, I'm going to get one of the two for the hit no matter what. So I think it's definitely worth it. It's just which one is my issue. It's like your question of which one of the Liverpool players should I captain. For me, I feel like this goalkeeper change from De Gea is a must. The problem is I can't do De Gea to Ramsdale because then I won't have a keeper in 27. I'm not going to be able to free hit. So then in that scenario, I'd actually end up with Ramsdale and De Gea. That's like 10 million um, on goalkeepers. I'm not bark on it for a long time. It's worth it if I can get like a Weghorst just going back onto the Burnley thing. So for me, who my Ronaldo replacement is determines the goalkeeper quite a lot. Because if it's Weghorst, I don't know if I want to double up on Weghorst and Pope, for instance. So then I might have enough money as well, suddenly, from the six mil freed up to have Ramsdale and De Gea. Why not get Ramsdale for his double, play De Gea in 27 and Inshallah, Ramsdale has another double
2: in 28. you, you so, got your wall card, haven't you? And, 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 tee-ing a- yourself, just... and teeing yourself up for a bench boost as well.
0: Well, I don't know about that because the bench boost is not coming till 36, but um, and that's oh. the issue. So the, the kind of De Gea to Ramsdale or De Gea to Pope seems easy enough. And that's one option where I might actually just, and I think we come to this question next as well, but um, essentially like I could just have 10 players in 27. Like I don't mind not having a goalkeeper. So if I did do like a De Gea to Ramsdale, I could do like De Gea to Ramsdale, Ronaldo to Kane, only a minus four and just play no goalkeeper next week and just have Ramsdale for the whole season. And I think that's an alternative I'm willing to go for. So just to price his point, mate, take the hit, make it a minus four. Either one will do, but look at your 27 and 30 team. I don't know how you're looking there, but I'm not looking great. Um, So I'm definitely doing this move at some point.
1: Oh, just, just tell the grandkids that whatever goalkeeper you brought in conceded four goals and it's fine. You know, just yeah, of all positions, I think you're probably okay not having a goalkeeper. Uh, yeah. But to, to bring us back to Sam's question, yeah, I like it. I mean, I love a goalkeeper transfer. It's probably the most aggressive move you can make in FPL. Uh, but Ramsdale in particular is like the one to get, as I mentioned earlier. The fixtures are very good, and it makes me wonder a little bit why I bought the hair of my wildcard as a default. I've, I've I was Perhaps a bit silly to get a FOMO, about nice defence perhaps um, because they had the double game week and it, it just at the time, I two weeks ago, if I was looking, at, thinking, well, you know, there's Burnley away, they'll concede there. They did, <laughs> and Southampton at home, they probably won't concede there. They did, and uh, the Brighton game. Um, I, was, I was thinking of three clean sheets, and then you got one. But you know, nonetheless, I think that Ramsdale is probably worth just getting. It's the obvious pickup. He's the best goalkeeper for XG prevented this season, and you can have him there for the whole season. Most people are going to probably have Foster as been backup goalkeeper at this point, and he can probably kind of come in on the games he's not going to play. It's probably gonna be my sixth goalkeeper transfer of the season for those counting. Um, so it's probably going to be one of those where you can look at it. I know, for example, on the other side of it, Fabio Borges, Nima, got Pope the other week.
0: I saw that, yeah, that was an interesting one, and it is one worth thinking about. Um, He's obviously like got the Midas touches, you say, if that exists. Um, Whatever he touches, he turns to gold, right? He was 700k a few weeks ago, and he's back on for a top 1k finish or something.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I'm not particularly interested in Burnley. Their defense, so you're on lads. It's Burnley yeah, Ramsdale
0: over Pope, though. Yeah, but, I, I agree yeah. with
1: you. But he'd be the one that I'd be interested if I was. So, would you do Burnley. that in
0: my situation as like a keep De Gea for 27? Yeah, and you, a you,
1: second. you've got your wild cards, so you can just do whatever the fuck you want, basically.
0: So there's no point not riding without a goalkeeper next week in 27 by doing De Gea to Ramsdale, like. I just get Ramsdale and De Gea basically for now, and then wildcard it out.
1: Why not? You wildcard it out yeah. very soon, don't you? You and wildcard exactly. in thirty-one, I suspect. So you, maybe, but thirty-five a... is a four. If I don't
0: free hit in thirty, then yes, I will wildcard in thirty-one probably because that dead end team will not look good with a double Burnley um, and all kinds of other trash in it. Uh, who knows?
1: Who you knows? So right, <laughs> we're going to move. So yes. mentioning free hits, let's move on to free hit usage going forwards. Uh, Benny Blanco. Says, it hey, lads, when's the best week to free hit for those with two left? Game week 30 is obvious, but could game week 27 be the next best with Liverpool and Arsenal assets can be kept? And Adam, uh, Adam Pritchard at Free Five, who? How many players is the amount that could trigger your decision to free hit? If you have nine players, 10 players, is that worth using the chip in game week 27? What are you going to do? So, I mean, I think Game Week 27 is looking pretty good for a free hit just because I think most of us can be moving out of City. Probably most of us can be moving out of United as well. City away at Everton that week. And Man are at home to Watford. And also, Game Week 30. Is this really the one to be using your free hit in? I mean, Nimi said that you're going to be looking at... I'm trying to stumble through own. it, actually. You yeah, know, so am yeah, looking like yeah. to
0: stumble through. I don't want to use the free hit that week. Um, I'd only use it now. If so it
1: happened. Uh, that's it. So Ben, ben Crellin, um his predictions to the spreadsheet basically <laughs> is saying that they're going to be probably four games at best regarding yeah. unless something ridiculous happens. Uh, so Aston Villa, Arsenal, Wolves, Leeds, Leicester, Brentford and Burnley Southampton probably going to be the four games that happen there. Is that going to be worth free hitting in? Absolutely not. Like they're not the best games, and if you transferring in, and if you are transferring in Arsenal players this week, for example, then you're already building your way there. If you're free hitting the next game week,
0: that's um, what I'm thinking. I'd rather kind of build towards game week 30 now with Arsenal players, Wolves players, and um, buy a Broher, buy some Burnley players, and just pray that Burnley Southampton isn't a blank that week. Because I think for that to be, be a blank, it's got to be a kind of a semi cup upset.
1: You've got free free transfers. You do, but then now.
0: equally, imagine you do it like me and you get Broho, you get the Burnley players and then those free assets you have don't have a game because Southampton yeah. beat West Ham in the cup and we won't know that till after the game week 27 deadline. So for me, it's kind of like with Burnley having the double-double, Why not just take that part? Why not buy the Tarkovsky for Dawson maybe? Take that hit, play him for two doubles and just pray that West Ham knock out Southampton from the Cup and Southampton play Burnley in a 30. So I think that's the mentality I've got is my free hit very much is dependent on that game. And I think it's the same for Ben Crillin as well, where he may try to get through that week without a free hit. Now, if I had two, I would like you use 2700% because I think that triple United, triple City that week they're going to be great. And then you've got, actually, I think Spurs play leads as well. So there's some good fixtures to actually target in that. And you could then attack this game week much more heavily as well with triple Arsenal, free hit in 27. Um, I think either way, whether you've got one or two, try to stumble through 30 is my advice. However, obviously, this is very early. This is way before gaming 30. So be flexible, is I suppose, what I'm saying. like So something like a Wolves player or Arsenal player that's more flexible than a Burnley or Southampton player because one of them is actually guaranteed a game, the others
1: is 50%. Yeah, I mean you've got maybe if you're answering Benny Blanco's question, probably the 33 is another one yeah. where that's probably the best place to play the other three hit. That's a semi-final, right? So well, I I just think 30 is going to be so rubbish. There's mm-hmm. no point using a free hit there. You're going to be buying in the players that most people will already be covering, and you're yeah. going to be basically playing the whole game of with appearance points basically give me a green arrow probably not actually because most people can have six seven easily get to eight or nine players I think that'll be enough really and I think don't know about fond- eight or
0: nine in 30 that's, that's very ambitious but well, I would yeah. be very happy with six or seven yeah but, but, I mean, I'm, vicious,
1: but, yeah but I mean most of your key players can be owned and I think it's probably going to be the case of kind of hoping some ex- esoteric players can do the job for you Anthony final question
3: Uh, this week
2: I thought you were going to have you were going to read it yourself (laughs) I was like okay I'm waiting yeah this question was basically asking about free hits um, and it was basically asking about which core players would be targeted for the free hit in 27 and is triple Burnley viable Uh, Is triple Burnley viable? Probably not, I think is kind of the the first question that we might kind of deal with in that particular quandary. From there on, the free hit in 27, I think you're, uh, like, helpfully, because Man City are playing, they are going to be part of the core. And as Nima touched upon there as well, I think, whether you like it or not, you're going to probably put United players into this because they're playing against Watford. And, you know, they're one of the few big teams that are left there. From there, Leeds? I think are they playing Leeds? United, playing, Leeds?
1: No, what they're playing? Watford? Are they? So when?
2: Yeah, are they... Le- Leeds. Leeds play Spurs. Um, oh, okay, I think of Spurs United. United play, United play Leeds during the double game week in twenty six.
0: Oh no, I'm thinking of Spurs, City, and United as the free teams you want to cover. Hence, why you can't have free Burnley. Ah, yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: okay yeah. Okay. That makes Get where sense. you're coming from. Get where you're coming <laughs> oh, yeah. from. Um, yes. Anyway, um, kind of beyond that, then I, I do feel like the free hit in twenty seven is going to give you kind of. You know, a certain amount of leeway, uh, for to go for real differentials there. Like, okay, you will put Son in, for example, because as, as we now touched upon, Spurs are playing against Leeds. Like, would you go for more Spurs attackers? I'm not sure. Like, I think you could get quite a bit more from, for example, getting uh maybe one or two Palace fellows into your team. Uh, your Elisa's, your Gallagher, whoever there. are I as well um, against Norwich. I think that that's a nice. For, Broha for Bro, for Norwich and indeed, like someone like one of the kind of one of their defenders. No, JWP okay. has to be
1: yeah. worth Yeah, yeah.
2: J- well, this is one of these, him. this is one of these classic double game week things. Are the, the, fr- you know, the free hit, pick the hit up moments? It's that people will get Kournay instead of J W P in his single game week. Yeah, and-, <laughs> and and like then you're kind of thinking about like you know like someone like Bednarek, for example, who gets up kind of you know a decent amount of pointers or whatever. I know now he played half of the last game, so what's his situation? Need to do a bit of reading into that and figure out where he is for 27 but someone like Bednarek could be a handy pickup for that particular fixture for example but would you put him down as a cert obviously Bowen is going to be in this as I well think he has he, to
0: be
2: in the he's not you're not going to move him on but is this sort of one where you'd want to get let's say an Antonio on top of it I'm not sure if you would I'm not sure against Wolves I don't
0: think I'd want that West Ham double up there
2: yeah and then actually do you know what Newcastle playing at Brentford Um, just Ooh. kind of seeing seeing the way things are going with this whole entire um scheme that's occurring at Newcastle and whether there's anyone who's kind of screaming out it's unfortunate that Trippier is now going to be injured he would have been the sort of player that would have been handy to put in with obviously set pieces two free kick goals and whatever in the last few weeks he won't be playing um, it seems he may not play again this season uh, with his injury he would have been interesting but like uh, Gruno, as I, I see he's being called could well be um, a player that'll feature on our radars or indeed just good old Chris Wood or something Um, yeah so anyway there's a a lot of interesting ones for there Nima do you kind of is there anyone I've missed there that's kind of screaming out to you or indeed Tom
0: I think just saying Maximan does excite me quite a lot Um, but but Triple City just on that topic because we we obviously we just we kind of brush it off as it's so obvious but and it is but it's so hard because unless you go for Cancelo and Laporte which you would assume are nailed now after the lead in this first leg but um, apart from that it's kind of like who do you get like Are they the first game that game week? I don't know. Like, is there any chance that we can guess who's going to start? Do you get a De Bruyne, Maris, Sterling, Foden, Bernardo, Gundogan? There's so many options, right? So do you go double mid on a free hit instead of double defense, maybe, to attack it differently to the people? I think that's
2: that's the the risk-versus-reward thing, I think. If you're someone like you, Nima, who's flying, you probably go for the double defense. If you're someone, if myself and Tom were in that position, we'd probably be going for the double attackers and seeing what happens and sticking someone like Sterling in nice um, but uh, anyway that, I think that's <laughs> Game of 27 is um, it's tomorrow's war we're not quite there yet yeah. so I think we'll, <laughs> we'll bring ourselves on to the present war instead and the transfers and captains for the coming weekend
1: yep and uh, I think Nima let's see where you are at the moment so you've got your triple captain already activated on Salah it's there you're ready uh, any transfers this week in terms of what you're going to be doing
0: yeah, so I'm pretty set on Ronaldo out. That That's like kind of happening. That's my free transfer no matter what. Um, it's likely to be, it was going to be Weghorst or Kane. Um, I'm waiting for some news on Weghorst. I'm hoping Daesh doesn't just say he's touch and go. I'm hoping the presser gives a bit more info than that. But um, there is Kane there. There is Weghorst. Um, there is Jimenez and Broha, but someone is coming in. I'm either going to get Ramsdale as the second goalkeeper for Gunnarsson that you see over there and play him over De Gea and then play De Gea in 27, or I'm going to do De Gea straight to Pope. So a minus four is guaranteed. That's kind of coming no matter what. And then the question is, do I take that minus eight? So I think we got asked tonight about Foden to Son. I've talked about Dawson to um, Tarkovsky. If I take a minus eight, it will likely be one of those two. But right now, Foden, the early sub in the Champions League, I really want him for that Everton fixture as well when I'm not free-hitting in 27, as you say. I can't see myself selling for him for Sun now. Um, I could do Jota to Sun in 27 as my transfer then when I've got five Arsenal and Liverpool players and I'm not free-hitting. So I think for me, just in terms of bus team and what I'm going to do, um, let's say I'm going to get Kane, I'm going to get maybe Ramsdale or Pope, and then I'm probably going to stop there if I get very excited and try to take a minus eight for this week. Tarkovsky is a shoe, in I reckon. Um, I think Foden's son is not going to happen. Um, I've talked myself out of that over the course of tonight.
2: And then we're moving on to my team here. And uh, right, where are we? <laughs> the, the team that's laid out here, the starting 11, is Foster, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo, Laporte and Veltman. Then the midfield of Bowen, Jada, Fernandes. Salah with the captaincy on him right now in the picture. And then I have Veghorst and Emmanuel Dennis up front. I have a bench then of João Pedro. The suspended is Esri Kansa. And of course, the ubiquitous Alan, uh, as well as Davide Gea. Now, I'm genuinely considering rolling a transfer because I have a bit of an issue with the the blanks in uh, 27 in that I have um, just <laughs> I have just too many players blanking. And so with that in mind... Because I've got at least I've Joe Pedro coming off the bench for his you know, probably like two substitute appearances for one point each, I, I do wonder um, if there's any kind of clear transfer I should make here. Like I think the, the the big risk that I want to take is probably putting that triple captaincy on Trent Alexander Arnold, as we've discussed. I am um, I'm going to say eighty seven percent sure that I'll go ahead with that particular uh, triple captaincy on Trent. Uh, short of any news changing it's really my big change my big transfer changes will depend on the veg news if it turns out that good old wout is going to be out then i might need to move him out or indeed move someone else like joe pedro out because um otherwise i would feel um a bit uh, short and wouldn't have much of a forward line there uh that would be a bit of a disaster I've really not thought through who I would bring in from there. Although, if if Arsenal had a decent striker that I'd like to bring in, I'd be probably bringing them in. But because they don't, then I'd be thinking about whether the um, I might have to do it and sell Alain. To bring in uh, someone like Saka or something, he's he stayed no. there as a mascot. He survived all sorts of trials and tribulations. He even survived Logic when Logic said that I should just get Ramsey when I was doing the wild card, and I just refused to, and I stuck with him. But now I think we're at the point where the forwards are just such a joke that I can't continue to have a meme mascot in midfield. It's just the wrong place, so. Maybe I'll um, adopt a um Adam Ida or something instead as my new mascot since Tom was just such a, a Judas and sold him. He's out and for three, he's
1: out of his he could be out for three months apparently just his injury recently, unfortunately, Adam Ida.
2: Oh my Christ. Oh really? Oh wow It's it's, it's, it's Jesus, it's a bit too early in the week for that sort of bad news. What's going on um, with João
0: Pedro on your bench? Um,
2: what's, what's going on with João Pedro? Pedro? He he's lost actually. He found <laughs> his way into my team a few weeks ago. It was <laughs> It was it was disappointing for me. It was even worse for Zhao Pedro. He actually lost a manager as well along the way. Uh, like things aren't good for any of us, uh, specifically for Zhao. But you know, not good for me either. Does that answer that question? <laughs> I, I think I don't know. Like
0: I would play him over Veltman, but it, I, I could see what you mean about the narrative of not always playing the attacker over the defender, Tom. Because in reality, Veltman probably outscores him. Of
2: course, Veltman outscores yeah. him.
0: But it's it's the upside, right? You got that. that Jao Pedro, yeah, Jao
1: Pedro assists.
2: You know, it could happen.
0: Yeah,
3: you
2: know? Pe- um, Veltman almost accidentallyed himself his way to an assist again today. You know, the day is going to come where uh, he'll get his return, and I will feel somewhat smug as I still get a red arrow.
1: The thing, the thing that I see though is that Jao Jael Pedro, Jao's got a, and a, four vowels that could be changed into. Different things, so you can. Why are we? Why are we going J, to Wordle talk? J. Football. <laughs> a assist. O goal. Pedro goal, so you could have a hat trick and assist of his in his name that you could then tweet to say, "Yeah, you know what? I've I've, I've massively smashed it." I, I'd I call, have to, I'd
2: have to tweet. I'd have to tweet first. Maybe um maybe I get Evan Ferguson instead. That'll be my new Irish mascot. He's um, i he's I can't
0: the, wait till next game week, Anthony. When um, he's at
2: Brighton. On okay. your
0: last episode, when Joe Pedro is sitting on your bench with 21 points.
2: Uh, uh, Nima, I will donate £210 <laughs> to a charity of your choice if João Pedro has 21 points. Okay, yeah. exactly
0: <laughs> 21, or can we say 20 plus?
2: 20 plus, I'll give you <laughs> okay, 20 okay. plus. I just yeah, give you that 20 plus. Yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> 20 All plus, right. that's fine, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, go on, your team.
1: <laughs> right, uh, yeah, so uh, my team is... Uh, interesting um to say the least um so yeah I mean I've got a lot of doublers to be honest I've got Foster I've got Kilman uh Trent and Robertson at the back so four doublers in in defense I've got Jota I'm gonna have Salah as well there so maybe Jota maybe Robertson makes way for Salah um Lights of Buendia, the lights of Bowen, Singlers. I did have Marcinelli, who unfortunately did get sent off. So that has put Spanner in the works. Up front, I've got Kane, Edouard and King, who've all got double game weeks as well. Do I trust Edouard or King to do anything? No, not really. I don't think they can do very much. I'm genuinely a bit torn on what to do. So I've got to get Salah back. I want to get Arsenal defence covered. Getting out of the back means selling one of Jota and Robbo. The Arsenal buy is ideal, really, because if I'm going to strap into a free hit in 27, that means that I've got an Arsenal player for game week 30 and also basically for the rest of our season, which is very, very good. But it means that for 27, I need to free hit. I've only got one free hit left. I'm probably going to have to use that in 27. And then do I bench boost? Do I teach triple captain? Do I bench boost the likes of the what the Aston Villa players at home to Watford? I'm not entirely sure. Do I bench boost the likes of you know Cancelo at home to Spurs? Uh, sorry, uh, uh, I'm not entirely sure either. All I do is bet basically is an absolute car crash and regret. That I didn't do the alternative. What I actually do, I think I'm at that point now in my life. And um, but I think the one thing that is on the table for me is Trent Triple Captain and just going that way. And I could basically avoid taking a hit this week, uh, just move out Jota and Fernandez for Salah plus one. I do the think thoughts, that,
2: that that screams pain.
1: I I do think it probably is worth buying in. Uh, Ramsdale as in goal and just kind of having him there for the rest of the season to be honest I think I'm not too adverse doing goalkeeper transfer I do think that having uh, was saying earlier about taking a big hit and just going for it this week I think that could also be on the table I'm not entirely sure basically right now I think a lot of it will depend on the mins tomorrow for Liverpool players and I, I really think that it basically at my OR, it might be worth just kind of looking beyond the Salah captaincy. But also, if he does anything in the, of the two games, then that's basically season over, really. Like if if Salah scores a hat-trick against Norwich or scores a hat-trick against Burnley, uh, Leeds or does something in both games, then basically it's all over. So it's a very difficult decision. Does that
0: not scare you both then? Um, I guess there's maximum gain to be had yeah but if I
1: mean if you were saying about EO earlier the problem is is that your EO is very much linked to your rank so if you're doing well then you need to care about EO a lot because yeah. at the end of the day you want to maintain your rank you want to make sure your downsides protects it for us it's probably not in the same realm for us it's probably more about the gains you could possibly make but if it goes wrong looking at those gains, then you can basically just torpedo your season. So, no, but it's
0: crazy because obviously, Anthony's talking about rolling a transfer, you're talking about not taking a hit, and then I'm kind of talking about minus four or minus eight. And...
2: But you can lose those see, points, you, see, you can, you can see, see, points. See, see Nima. If I don't roll, I probably minus eight. Like, this is the thing, like, there it's not going to be the middle ground. Like, if you if you kind of heard me there, it was like, okay, if Weg- if Veghorst was past fit, then I can roll. If he isn't past oh, it, then, not, they, then yeah. suddenly we're into the just burn the whole temple down type scenario, um, and we don't know where we're going from there. But yeah, what the, do you
0: think it, about uh, Lacazette? And so, no, what the, no, 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 really no. we go, you, to, you don't want to burn any of your listeners by owning Lacazette. Let's not talk about him. But yeah, um, yeah. but he's the captain of the club now, and like he will yeah, play. For I'm for, pretty sure for
2: for like four months. Yeah,
0: um, <laughs> like I, I was thinking, I could get Lacazette and Tierney, but that is like. I'd be nuts to do that because then I'd have five players blanking in twenty-seven, and I don't want a free hit, but so that could, doesn't
2: add up. But you could take like a whatever, like a twenty-point hit, and go again. And get get. So there lout- are people like that, get, right? Get, get and <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> but I think there are
0: managers like that, right? Who take a hit to attack each week as it they're, comes.
2: <laughs> they're, pro- they're probably not at your rank though, Nima. <laughs> that,
0: that, is, that is true. Um, I feel very fortunate to be here. Um, and I think you're right. The higher up you may be, you start to get very worried and you just kind of plug holes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You're not, you're not trying to attack anymore.
2: Absolutely. And I guess with that, Nima, as you say, thank, thank you for coming on. We thank you. It's great to have you here. And uh, we were who got the assist. If you want to send in correspondence for what is going to be the last of my podcast, then who got the assist at gmail.com is the email that you need to use. Or you can just reach out to us on WhatsApps or Twitter DMs or whatever else you might have. Uh, Nima, thanks again. It was great to have you. Really good thanks. banter all the way through. Thanks, and, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure, guys great please. insights as well too and best look at the meetup there in a few weeks time i commend people to attend it thank you yeah we hope this you uh, throughout
1: all of this please send in a correspondence and please write in if you have anything to say to anthony ahead of the last <coughs> podcast in the last couple of weeks <laughs> oh, even even if it is just bog off we don't want you here anymore. We're very glad you are being replaced, mm. um,
2: but please oh, up, write. Up, I prefer upgraded. It's a much better. It's a more accurate term.
1: But back, <laughs> uh, back backfield, as we say in the corporate world. Uh, but, but, please, but please write into gotvissasgymwell. dot uh, Any messages you have for Anthony um, before he goes off uh, into his actual life beyond fantasy football. We hope to see you uh, in this podcast. I'll speak to you next week ahead of the game week. Um, 27 26 at some point I think it might be a solo pod next Thursday because of Swift turnaround I think it's literally like Thursday night the game week finishes Friday uh, the blank starts um, and Anthony's final pod will be on the 1st of March uh, Nick will be joining us for that and we'll be able to kind of give him a good send off for that in the meantime I hope this is you and speak to you very soon goodbye oh oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist